1: I'm really thankful. <laughs> excuse me. I'm really thankful that um, Pastor Jordan decided to do the series in Deuteronomy. Um, Deuteronomy is a great book. It has several verses that are are super. And I guess I had to put put in before I do the prayer of illumination my top three, if I could. First is of course the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter six. The, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. My second favorite in Deuteronomy is, we haven't got there yet. It's in chapter 32. We'll get there in a couple of weeks. And uh, and the third is the one that Pastor Jordan is speaking on today. Deuteronomy 29. 29. I get it mixed up with chapter 32. Sometimes, but 2929 is too easy to remember. But here it is. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. That we may do all the words of this law. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and I thank you that you are a God of relationship, that you reveal yourself, you have revealed yourself, you reveal yourself in creation, in your holy word, and in the person of Jesus Christ, your only son, and the son who died for us. And in other things that you've done throughout history, you're revealed in all the great works and mighty works that you've done. And so... You're a God of relationship, right? you're a God that wants to be known and you invite us to know you and we thank you for that. But at the same time, Father, when we deal with someone as great or some God as great as you, there's no way that we can comprehend you. It's a, you're behind, beyond comprehension and so you've revealed, you've revealed some secret things but not all of them. And we just cannot fathom on this side of heaven how great you are and can't get to know you completely. And because of that, Father, we need to trust you. We need to obey you. We need to enter your presence with humility and respect and the worship that you deserve. I thank you that, um, that, that you spoke to me times I read through Deuteronomy, a couple of times Deuteronomy 29 this week, it showed me that I have to do some business, that I have not been, um, let's say, I haven't taken you serious as, as much as I, as I need to be in my relationship with you. And not only that, but in serious with personal, not taking you serious with personal sin in my life. And I thank you for showing that to me. I need to confess and to ask forgive, forgiveness for that. As we go on in the service this, this morning, I pray for Pastor Jordan, that you would anoint and empower Jordan to lovingly and passionately share with us what you have given to him this week that, he, that you feel we need to know. And to do. And at the same time, I pray for your Holy Spirit to come upon us, to come upon us as the congregation in power and in conviction, to see the need to take God seriously, to take the need to take your word seriously, and to take the need to be obedient. And, and to take the warnings against unrighteousness and disobedience seriously also. So that as we live our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can honor you with our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you, Denny. Uh, we do uh, come very humbly to Deuteronomy 29, the fifth book of the Old Testament. So, if you would turn there if you have not done so already, we are in Deuteronomy 29. And as we look at uh, or get to looking at the end of Deuteronomy, this is the good stuff 29, 30, 31. I, I, I like these chapters, not that I rank chapters of the Bible. Um, But they are good. So let's just dive into it. In studying this, reminded of a a saying or a quote from Martin Luther King Jr., who was a preacher of the gospel. We forget that. He was uh, big in civil rights for sure. But um, Martin Luther King Jr. believed that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And he was big on um, the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ and communicating it to those who did not know Christ as Savior. And he said, it's going to be on the screen, that the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience. The ultimate measure of a man is where he stands in times of challenge and controversy. In times of challenge and in controversy, there we see... Not only who we are, but also where we are with God. When we get to challenges, and when we get to situations and circumstances in our life, we have to ask ourselves, am I standing on Christ, the solid rock? Or am I tempted, or have I given into temptation to be disobedient? And that's exactly what Moses is doing. He's giving a sermon to the Israelites And they're standing on the banks looking at Canaan, this promised land that God has promised to them. And they're about to come in and overtake this land. And I love Deuteronomy because Moses essentially summarizes often things he's already said. So if you're here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, I missed the first 28 chapters, I'm lost. Don't worry, Moses is going to summarize pretty much everything he just said. And some more before we're done. And he is going to say that God has made a covenant with us, his people. When you see Old Testament, or when you see New Testament, that word, testament, is covenant. It's promise. It's a promise that God has made with his people. That he would never leave us or forsake us. He would always be with us. And we cling to him in faith. And the old covenant was the old promise that God made with his people And then in the New Testament, we see a new covenant, a new promise fulfilled in Jesus Christ. They are together. They have to be together. So if you look at someone, or someone looks at you and says, well, I like the New Testament, but I don't like the Old Testament, you have to have both. You have to have both. In order to understand Romans, you have to understand Deuteronomy. In order to understand Deuteronomy, you have to have Romans for us on this side. God gave everything the Israelites needed here in this place. And so today we're talking about how to live out this promise that God has made with us, his people. The first thing that we see is that we should accept that covenant and then renew that covenant. And there are people here today who have accepted the covenant, and some people here today who haven't accepted the covenant, the promise from God. There are some people here who are living out the covenant well, and then there's some people we're going to take communion in a few short moments who need to Recommit to the covenant. Let's look at verse 1 in Deuteronomy chapter 29. It says, these are the words of the, you can say it, covenant. Imagine that, right? Of the promise that the Lord commanded to Moses, his servant, to make with the people of Israel in the land of Moab. Now remember, our relationship with God is vertical, yes, but it's also horizontal with people besides the covenant that he made with them at Horab. Now, you can circle the word Horab if you want to. Horab is also Mount Sinai. And you may remember Mount Sinai because there Israel made a covenant with God. You don't have to go there. I'll put it on the screen. Exodus chapter 24, verse 7 says, Then he, Moses, took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has said, we will do it and we will be obedient. Now, For those of us on this side of grace, those of us who have confessed our sin, believed upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved, that's what you did when you accepted the gospel. You said that we, or I, believe that the Lord has sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, that to whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life, and then I will be obedient to what God has said to me. Because remember... Old Testament law is fulfilled in the New Testament in Christ, meaning that it doesn't necessarily go away, but is for our good so that we live in the parameters of what God has in store for us. Now, this is kind of fun. Moses took the blood and he sprinkled it on the people. Can you imagine that church service? If I just got out some blood and just started throwing it on you people, that'd be interesting. I don't know if I'd have another Sunday here at Community Gospel Church. But he says, this is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. God's covenant is sealed in blood. Old Testament here in temporary sacrifices. New Testament in Christ, permanent. We call it a propitiation, permanent sacrifice, which is Christ. Now, here's what's transpiring, right? This is really, truly interesting. Majority of people who were there in Exodus... Are not going to enter into the promised land. The majority of the people who had the blood sprinkled on them had died in the wilderness. So a new generation is coming up. It's a new opportunity for the generation to renew the covenant that God had made with their parents and grandparents. So, young people, listen up. This is important. And the call here from Moses in verse 2 all the way through verse 8 is that you should accept God's faithfulness as your mom and dad accepted God's faithfulness. Now look at this. He says, Moses summoned all Israel and he said to them because like sheep they go astray and forgot all the great things that God had done. You saw all that the Lord did before your eyes. You saw all of these things, and he's gonna walk through them. He's gonna talk about plagues, death of the firstborn, the Red Sea parted, the Is- uh, Egyptian armies were destroyed, manna from heaven. Look at verse four. Moses says, To this day, the Lord has not given you a mind that understands, or eyes that see, or ears that hear. Now, underline to this day, because this suggests that Israel had not yet understood these saving events because their disobedience limited their understanding. Disobedience limits our understanding. God had not given them a mind to see why He did what they did, but He's about to. They couldn't see the significance of God's saving work unless the Lord gave them a mind that understands and eyes to see. In other words, a new Spirit. Now, what's really interesting, you don't have to go there, but in Romans chapter 11, verse 8, Paul writes to the church in Rome, and he quotes Deuteronomy 29, verse 4. And in that passage of Scripture, we realize it's not the only place that it pops up. It also pops up in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 10. And God kept Israel from understanding what's true because some people are overcome with what we call a spirit of stupor. In other words, sleepiness. There are some people back in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament who cannot see or hear because God kept them from understanding. Why? Why would God do that? Well, part of that is because of their disobedience, but the other part of that is because He's God and you're not. And what we really realize here is that if God does not send his spirit to change a hardened heart, then the greatest wonders imaginable don't make a difference. Read that again. If God does not send his spirit to change a hardened heart, then the greatest wonders of God do not make a difference. And we would ask, is that fair? Now hear this, God retains the right to give and withhold understanding. He gives the right to soften or to harden hearts. He does what he sees fit for his great purposes. Now we got a great example of this in the Old Testament, that'd be Pharaoh, right? And if we were to study Pharaoh, we would see the more Pharaoh resisted, the more his heart hardened. The more Pharaoh resisted God, the more God enhanced resistance. And every time we hear of God's great works, our obedience should increase. Now you have people in your life who have not accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you ask, will they ever accept the gospel of Jesus Christ? Will they ever come to the saving knowledge of Christ? There is where we pray. Fervently for those who have hardened hearts to accept the Lord through faith. We pray that God sends his spirit to open up the eyes of those who have closed eyes. And we ask that he would do a great work in their life. And that's what's happening here. Moses is saying, you younger generation, open your eyes to the things that God has done. Here is what he has done and he wants a relationship with you. So, verse 9, what are they supposed to do with it? They're supposed to renew the covenant. Now look at verse 9, he says, therefore, keep the words of the covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. This is how you are successful. And Moses asked the Israelites to gather in a formal ceremony before God. Verse 10, you're standing today, all of you, before the Lord your God, the heads of your tribes, your elders, your officers, the men of Israel, even your little ones are here, your wives, uh, the sojourners who are in your camp, which are the foreigners. That's kind of interesting. So that you may enter into the sworn covenant with God, verse 13, that he may establish you as his people and that he may be your God. Renew this covenant. Now, if you want to, I know some of you like to um, kind of systematically approach the Bible. I do. Moses lists the, the participants here. And basically what he's doing is he's listing the greatest to the least and dividing them into two groups. You have people who are in positions of leadership in Israel. That's the first group. The second group is all other people, including non-Israelites who lived in Israel that provided labor. And God wants the whole nation to be a people for himself. He wants all of them to be fully committed to his promises. Now look at verse 13. This This is like the critical point here. He says that he may establish you today as his people and that he may be your God. Wait, I thought he was already their God. Well, he is, but they need to commit to him. And some of them had committed to him. They needed to recommit to him. So there's two calls here. The first call is to accept Christ as Savior for us on this side of the Testament, the promise, the covenant There is a call to accept God as Savior, Christ died on the cross for our sins. Accepting Christ is like opening a door to your heart, to a long-awaited guest, inviting Him into your life as the ultimate host, bringing true love and transformation power into every corner of your being. If you don't have a relationship with God through faith in Christ, there's a little white book. Open it up to the gospel. Walk through that, what that looks like. Accept Jesus Christ as Savior. So many of us in the church have done that. So the second call is to recommit your life to Christ. Recommitting your life to Christ is like a fresh coat of paint on a weathered canvas. It's like bringing out vibrant colors and giving you a renewed purpose. Now, Renewing our relationship with Christ, yes, it can happen once. It can happen twice. We can have these little ceremonies. But if you look in the text, I see many ceremonies. Deuteronomy 29, verse 1 through 15, reminds us of the importance of coming into covenant with God through faith in Christ, but keeping the covenant. Salvation is not burdensome, it is a blessing. And just as Israel held this formal ceremony to renew their covenant, do you realize you and I can do the same? Well, how is that possible? How do we do that? How do we renew our covenant? Well, we have little ceremonies every single day when we open up our Bibles and spend time reading them. We have little covenant-renewing ceremonies where we spend time in prayer with God. We have little covenant-renewing ceremonies where we meet with others in regards to accountability. We have weekly covenant renewing ceremonies. You're in one right now. We call it church. We have these little, tiny recommitment ceremonies every day, every week, every month that God has given us to demonstrate our commitment to following him. I was talking to a gentleman one day and he said to me, it's my birthday today. And I knew for a fact it was not his birthday. I said, that's not your birthday I know when your birthday is. He says, no, it's my birthday. It's when I accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And he was a little older gentleman. He said, 1974. And I said, I don't want to tell you how old I was in 1974 because I wasn't old at all because I wasn't. But he knew his spiritual birthday. And he said, every single year we get together, we have a cake with a candle on it. When I came to know Christ, it is my covenant renewal ceremony. I think that's neat. When you think about it, you go, well, I didn't have an actual date. Maybe it's a A span of time, we'll pick a day then. Have a little covenant renewing ceremony. Accept the gospel, renew it, recommit daily. And then, verse 16, don't disobey it. Now, we like Israel want to know, well, what happens if I do disobey this, right? What are the consequences? Well, there's consequences for individuals and then there's consequences for a nation. Let's look at verse 16. And if you go into verse 16 all the way through 21, Moses reminds Israel of how God had brought them out of Egypt. And in Egypt and in surrounding pagan nations, Israel saw many abominations to the Lord through various forms of idol worship. As we've been walking through Deuteronomy, we've seen the biggest problem with God's people is they always fall to idol worship. Anything that you place above God is an idol and the damage that one idolatrous individual had on a group look at verse 18 was a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit let's read that in entirety he says beware lest there be among you a man or a woman or a clan or a tribe whose heart is turning away today from the lord our god to go and serve the gods of those nations some of us know people like this in our circles Beware, lest they be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit. Now, the word there is the word, Hebrew word, uh, wormwood, which is a plant known for its bitter pulp associated with poison. I always wonder how many people ate that plant before they realized it was poisonous. I always wonder that, right? Anytime that there's a policy and procedure in place, I always want to know what happened before it was put into place. But Israel was constantly to be on guard against sin when they were entering into Canaan. Remember, they're going to overthrow Canaan, and the Canaanites are going to influence them. And Moses says, don't be influenced by the world. You can be in the world, but not of the world. That sounds New Testament. Some people thought they might be safe from judgment, since the Lord had just told Israel that they were his people. But forsaking God's covenant welcomed God's judgment. And so all the curses in Deuteronomy would fall upon that person. And you say, well, what curses are there? Well, you just go back to 27 and you'll see them listed right there. So there's consequences for an individual. There's also consequences for the nation. Look at verse 22 all the way down to verse 28. And we see that judgment wouldn't just fall on one individual, but also the whole nation because they let themselves be swept away by one person's improper worship. Church, we got to be careful about one person's improper worship. And Moses spoke of future judgments, all these afflictions on the land, verse 22, uh, all of those things. These would be so severe that Moses compared this judgment to Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, all of these names that you can't pronounce. Now, if you're a biblical student, look at verse 22 where it says in the next generation your children who rise up after you and the foreigners who comes from afar in the land will say when they see the afflictions of the land and the sickness with the lord has made it sick keep going into verse 23 the whole land burned out of brimstone and salt nothing sown and nothing growing where no plant can sprout and overthrow like all of these towns that came true with Assyria and Babylon in the invasions later in the biblical text. The devastation was so severe that other nations would ask, why has Israel's God allowed this to happen? I believe with all my heart that there are people in our society today who are looking at Christianity and seeing the judgment of God fall upon our nation and wondering, why has God allowed this to happen to his people? Perhaps it's disobedience. Perhaps we don't look different and distinct. And that answer would be because Israel had abandoned the Mosaic Covenant by committing adultery. Now notice here that even false worship proved God's truth, which is amazing. Idolatry is so serious for individuals and nations, there's consequences for both. It reminds me of choosing whom you will serve. Now it's boating season, correct? It's it's boating season. All these little small towns that had no people in it, no population suddenly are huge. As a matter of fact, I was riding my bike today through uh, Lake of the Woods and realized how many people live in Lake of the Woods from June, July, and August. A lot more than December, January, and February. But as people boat, it's funny, they like to tube. Raise your hand if you've ever tubed. To me i's kind of an interesting endeavor, especially if you have little kids, because you can go real fast and then you can throw them around, and it's called "Rewards for Disobedience." <laughs> but as the boat moves, the person's pulled along, and they feel secure because they have the rope. However, if the person were to let go of the rope, they'd be lost and vulnerable to the water. As a matter of fact, there's nothing funnier than a little kid I, I, I repent of this but there's nothing funnier than a little kid without a rope sitting in the middle of the water. Amen. Like, you've left me. And all of a sudden, moms and dads all the way down there, we'll come back. We'll come back for you. But they're vulnerable, lost, because they let go of the rope. In the same way, follow this, Israel was warned not to turn away from God or worship other gods. In other words, they were told, don't drop the rope of obedience. Cling to the rope of obedience. Because if you don't drop the rope, You won't be lost, you won't be vulnerable to the consequences of disobedience. Now, some of us love this illustration because what happens is we look at it and we say, okay, that's good when God's pulling us at a good pace. But some of us are being pulled at a very fast pace and we're yelling at God, could you please slow the boat down? And some of us are looking at God and we're not going anywhere, but we're just holding the rope. And he's like, this would be really fun if we were moving. But we're not. And so we look at it and we wonder, why is God not doing anything or why is God doing too much? But that's not the focus. Believers in Christ are secure in the Lord because we have the rope. We never give up the rope because God's never given up on us. We're committed to staying connected through faith and obedience. The rope is obedience, and we cling to it. Paul will write to a church in Galatia, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, and he will say, Let us not grow weary of doing good. You know what he says when he says do good? It's obedience. Do not grow weary in holding on to the rope of obedience because in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So don't disobey. God's given you a covenant, accept it, renew it daily, don't disobey it, and then, what Denny said, verse 29, so your life will be full of joy. Now, he already read it, but I'll read it again. That's fine. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us, and they belong to our children, and they belong to us forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Now, Moses gave a key principle here that Denny hinted at. God doesn't reveal everything to humanity. And can we just praise the Lord for that for a second? This happened with our kids a long time ago, but they wanted to know a bunch of things. And I just unloaded on them a bunch of words that they didn't understand. And they looked back at me and they were so confused. And I said, how'd that feel? You like that? Ask me another question. And I'm still working on this parenting thing, so you can pray for me. But I think that's what Moses is doing here. Israel wants all the answers, and Moses says, you're looking at the destination instead of the journey. There are secret things, and you can underline that, that God chooses not to reveal to us. Why? Because he's God. When do we get there? When I say so. He can do that. He's bigger than us. He's smarter than us. Look at Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 through 9. It's on the screen. You already know this passage, but we'll say it again. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. and My ways aren't your ways. As for the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. So just stay focused and cling to the rope. Enjoy the ride of obedience. The things God does reveal to us, and with Denny on this, are the things that petrify me in a healthy way. Because what God has revealed to us, what he's chosen to reveal to us, we have to pay close attention to it. It's more relevant than any news fad or trend out there. It is written so that we may do all the words of the law. You ever heard of a a child asking their parents why they can't stay up late? We had a sleepover the other day and there was six uh, preteens in my house. I contemplated moving or just sleeping in the garage would be a good idea. But when one little asks a question, another little asks another question, another little asks another question, another asks another question, and I wanted to respond And sometimes I did, and it was always for their own good. But oftentimes, littles don't understand what's for their own good. God's ways and plans are higher than our ways and our plans. There may be things, church, that you don't understand. You might not understand why the boat's not moving right now. You might not understand why you're not moving in a direction you got the rope in your hand and you're thinking to yourself, why are we not going anywhere? And God says, just be patient and wait. Some of you are moving at an incredible rate. And you're like, if we go any faster, Lord, I'm going to fly off this boat. I'm not even on the boat. I'm in, the, I'm in, a, I'm in a raft. And he says, well, learn to ski barefoot. We can rest in the wisdom and sovereignty of God as we hold on to the rope of obedience that His life is a joyful life. Some of us are so concerned about getting to the end that we have forgot about this beautiful journey that we're on with Jesus. That we walk with Him, that we talk with Him, that He takes us through all these high mountains and these low valleys. God has spoken to us not merely to satisfy our own curiosity about spiritual things, God has spoken to us to affect the ways that we live. If we're only hearers of that word and not doers, then we haven't really received His word. My greatest prayer right now for the church of Jesus Christ is that they would possess Christ because many have professed Christ, but they do not possess Christ because there's no life change. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, is he a believer? I said, he's a professing believer, but I don't know if he's a possessed believer. Now, we look at possessed and we think, ooh, that's dangerous. It's not bad when you're possessed with the right things. When we accept Christ and his word, we choose a disciplined life, a committed life, an obedient life, which all lead to a joyful life. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, it, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. I wish it said, trust in the Lord with all your heart as you obey. And lean not on your understanding, but in all your ways, submit to him, and then he makes your paths straight. A walk with the Lord is a well-worn path among a dense forest. One where we walk cautiously, guided by God's Holy Spirit. The journey with Jesus presents many twists and turns and obstacles. But in obedience, we see blessings because the Holy Spirit helps us navigate the wilderness of life. He reminds us constantly of God's abiding presence and unwavering guidance. As believers today, we recognize our relationship with God extends far beyond rules and regulations. It is a covenant rooted in faith and trust. Just as in a legal agreement, both parties bear responsibilities to uphold this relationship. We as believers are called to obediently follow God's commands, place our trust in His promise. And God remains steadfast and faithful to us, bestowing blessings according to His will in His time And his wisdom. The covenant relationship surpasses all transactional interactions. It fosters this deep personal connection between God and his people. As believers we're called to nurture and cultivate that relationship. In every aspect of our lives. With our words. With our actions. Because the promises we've received through faith in Christ. It's interesting, as we're getting ready to take communion, I'm reading this book right now on shepherding. It's really fascinating, super fascinating book. It's all about how Israel uh, shepherds uh, function. And one part of that book talks about how the shepherd will take the sheep to green pasture. And when the sheep realize, looking at the shepherd, they're safe, they'll lay down. A sheep laying down is a weird thing because normally they're all petrified inside. They're, they're just high-strung creatures, so we can relate. And we just sang about the fact that God leads us into, like sheep into these pastures. And in our covenant relationship with him, we are safe. But sometimes, I don't know about you, I just have like these mini freakouts in life. Are you with me? It usually happens in the morning and at night. I just, for some reason, I'm like, whoa, I'm, I'm freaking out right now, God. And he's like, I know. And he's like, but you can rest in green pasture because you and I are in relationship. Even though there's turbulence here in this life, let me tell you something. You can be tested and still come out steadfast because of Jesus. And so all these little ceremonies lead us to the Lord's Supper. This commandment and remembrance of a celebration of Jesus' death by which he atoned for all of our sins. This is our renewal ceremony, really it is. And it is solely reserved for those who have accepted Jesus Christ as Messiah for the forgiveness of sins. If you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is the day of your salvation. I know there's people listening at home too as well, but... If you have not confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you have to start there. You have to embrace that covenant. For those of us who have, we realize that this communion ceremony is a commandment given by Jesus himself at the Last Supper with his disciples. In Matthew twenty-eight verse, or 26, verse 26, he says, Take and eat, this is my body, and so he takes this cup of wine and he blesses it and he gives it to them, and he's saying, drink from it, all of you. And this is the blood of the covenant. So, so here's like the segue. This is where the story comes full circle. When we take communion, we're essentially welcoming the blood of Christ to be upon us, which is exactly what is in Deuteronomy chapter 29. It is a way to remember what God has done through the offering of Christ. Through these symbols, because that's all they are, they're just symbols. The believers remember and proclaim this central message of the gospel. The death of Jesus Christ is the ultimate atonement for our sins. The broken bread represents his body that was broken for us. The cup, his blood, shed for forgiveness of sins. When we partake in these elements, we acknowledge and proclaim our faith in Christ's sacrificial death and resurrection. We take communion very seriously because God takes us seriously. Communion is all about God's grace and His forgiveness. It's a sacred moment with God, a covenant renewal ceremony. Where we remember God's immense love for us, His redemptive plan for humanity. Communion helps us to mature in our relationship with the living God. It renews our commitment to following Christ. It strengthens our unity as a body of believers. It reminds us of our ongoing need For grace, grace, God's grace. So as we get ready to take communion, the invitation for you is to examine yourself. Do I know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? And then examine further, if you do, where am I at in my covenant relationship and renewal ceremonies? When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we remember Jesus' death, but we also remember his resurrection from the dead and his promise to come back again soon. Our risen Savior invites Him, invites us to his table. Again, communion is solely reserved for believers. If you're a guest with us this week and you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, you are more than welcome to participate. Our elders and deacons are going to come up in a few short moments, and they're going to pass out the elements if you're not a believer, just let it pass. If you are, you're free to take it. There's two cups there. There's, uh, they're on top of each other. The bottom one has the bread in it. The top one has the juice. And again, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would ask and plead that you prayerfully consider making that decision today. Repent of your sins. Trust Christ. It is the best thing that you can ever do. Before we start, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, we get here today and um, we're reminded of Moses' words. And then we're reminded of Jesus' words. To do this in remembrance of the free gift of the gospel that we have received. What a joy it is to be a child of God. For those that don't know you, we pray that they come to know you. For those of us who do know you, may this be a time of recommitment, rededication. We ask that you would help us as we take these elements to uh, prayerfully plead to you to not disobey the sin that's been tripping us up. We pray, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us as believers, we'd be more than conquerors in Jesus Christ realizing that we do have the ability because of what you've given to us to overcome anything. God, we also pray that you would help us to be joyful. Some of us are in these moments where we're just not excited about our relationship with you. So may this be a time when we just, no matter what we're experiencing, if things are moving in an expedited rate or if we're just kind of sitting still, that we would realize that you're at work. God, we just ask that you would help us to restore the joy of our salvation renew a right spirit within us as we participate in this. Elders and deacons, if you would come now, let's serve communion. Go ahead and hold those elements. We'll take them together as a family uh, after everything has been passed out and distributed. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church Podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.